Blog Talk Radio. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealers coming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. The train to Jordan Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors and bottom Thank you, Brother Rudolph, and for those of us 
in the listening audience who may not be familiar with that greeting. It simply means in English, peace be unto you and unto you be peace. But it seriously is also a greeting, which is a prayer that you're offering to those in the listening audience. So once again, we thank you for joining us on this weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We do not take your attendance lightly. To our consistent and constant listeners, to our first-time listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank all of you for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. Here we are once again on a Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your co-host, Brother Yusef Muhammad, along with Brother Rudolph Muhammad. We welcome you, we welcome you to this program where many of you know are uh, super concerned about you becoming self-reliant and taking appropriate action and response, emergency. As the gospel singer Hezekiah Walker would sing, we need you to survive. This program, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, promotes public awareness and engages in public outreach to inform and educate and train all people in how to best prepare for respond to and recover from all emergencies. Our objective here is to ensure that everyone has a reasonable working knowledge of disaster preparedness and to help you to determine the best choices in any emergency response to avert danger and to save lives. Our vision is that each individual citizen, including every capable man, woman, and child, understand their personal responsibility for the safety of themselves, their family, their neighbors, and the overall well-being of the larger community. So brothers and sisters, once again, we're grateful for your ear, for you tuning in. We have uh, scheduled two very special guests uh, this afternoon, Sister Dr. Karen Weaver, the former mayor of Flint, Michigan, Brother Captain Dennis Muhammad, founder of the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, Incorporated. They'll be speaking on uh, the crisis, the calamities that are happening there in Flint as it relates to overcoming the water crisis, not only in Flint, Michigan, but now in Benton Harbor and other communities in Michigan that we may be aware of. So I'm looking forward, like yourself, from listening to these subject matter experts, these two warriors who have worked tirelessly on behalf of our community and specifically given us an update of the landscape as it relates to the situation in Flint, Benton Harbor, and other communities uh, relative to the water shortage. So without further delay, allow me to... Uh, move aside and let our co-host, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad, welcome you. And in a few minutes, we are anticipating our guests. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. Beginning all things in the name of the Most High God, we thank him for appearing to us in the person of Master Fard Muhammad, 
We thank him for traveling 9,000 miles to seek and save we who were lost, you and I, the black man and woman in and of America. We thank him for coming here to the geographic location of where I am currently now, Detroit, Michigan, where he came and he met a, a, a in stature-wise, a little black man humble, from humble beginning. And he taught this man, and then he left him physically here to do the job that needed to be done. And then that student, talking about the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, taught a student and then physically left him on the scene. Talking about none other than the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Just to clear it up for those who are listening. And so in those three great names of Master Fard Muhammad, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, who we know to be the Christ, and the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who some say is a divine warner, some say that he's a reminder, some say that he's um, the comforter that the scriptures speak about. Well, depending on your point of view, your perspective, your level of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of scripture, you could be right with either one. He is more than a reminder. More than a warning, more than a comforter. He is the most perfect example of total submission to the will of God. He is the most perfect example of righteousness walking the planet today. I believe. He is walking through the scriptures of the Bible and the Quran, and that he has taken on the persona of the Jesus of this day and time. And that is because of the work that he has done and is still doing gives characteristics of the Jesus and what he would do, what he is responsible for, and to whom he is coming for. And once again, I'm saying 
unapologetically that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is the Jesus in our midst today. He is the one that is giving sight to the blind. He is the one that is taking the knot out of the tongue and helping the deaf to speak. The, the, I'm sorry, helping the mute to speak. He is the one that is helping those that cannot hear, actually not just hear, but digest what is actually being said and what is actually going on. He is the champion for the oppressed. He is that one that the scripture talks about that can and will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to their father. He is also the one that will be given to be crucified. For the sins of the world I'm going to stop it right there But in those three great names We greet you in the green words of peace And the paradise of As-salamu alaykum Well, alaykum salam, sir Thank you, Brother Yusuf And as Brother Yusuf said So eloquently Yes, we have Some powerhouse guests Lined up for today's show And so without further ado I'm going to move out of the way so that we can get on with the show and get these people on the line so that they can say what needs to be said and give the information that needs to be given to the family and though, uh, of Blog Talk Radio and those supporters, those who are well-wishers, those who are just curious, and even those who are detractors, stand by. Um, get your pen and pad or your recording device. Call a friend and tell them they still have a couple of seconds that they can get on so that they can hear what is going to be said today. Brother Yusuf, can you hear me? Am I? Am I coming through okay? Did I lose my uh, connection? Okay, I'm not sure if I'm I'm here, beloved. Did you bring me back? Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. I hear you, brother. I hear you. I had to step away for a minute. Is it it on me? I didn't know. Yes, sir. I, uh, I, I, have... I'm passing the mic back. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, beloved. <laughs> I was just multitasking as we oftentimes do. And, yes, uh, sir. For, from what we know of our guests, they too are subject matter experts in multitasking. You know, we have our dear brother, brother, Captain Dennis Muhammad of the Peacekeepers Global Initiative Incorporated with us. We also have 
our dear sister, sister, former mayor of Flint, Michigan, Dr. Karen Weaver, who will be joining us shortly. And she should be no stranger to our listening audience for Flint, Michigan was all over the news a few years ago relative to the water crisis or the lack thereof that they were experiencing. And because of Sister Dr. Karen Weaver, who was the mayor at the time, because of her leadership skills, she was able to gather together academia, the science community, the political community, the civic community, the religious community. In my humble opinion, she exemplified leadership on a level that we oftentimes talk about here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, that when there is disaster, to consider community investment, community involvement, and community partnership for community risk reduction. So I don't know if she's in the studio at this time. Dr. Weaver, have you come in at this time? Well, we'll await for the engineer to bring her in. Brother Captain Dennis is in the studio. Uh, Welcome, Brother Captain Dennis. Assalamu alaikum, sir. Hopefully the engineer has queued him up. Thank you for your patience, uh, listening audience. Lord willing, we'll have both of them in the studio soon so that we can uh, carry on. I know Sister Dr. Weaver committed to uh, 20 minutes or so, and so we want to respect her time as well as Brother Captain Dennis, who's no stranger to our listening audience. Okay, Dr. Weaver, I hear you listening. Um, If your mic is open, I mean, I've given you an introduction. However, I mean, if I took the time to read your resume, I think the listening audience knows the great work you did in Flint, Michigan as a mayor. You almost adopted a catastrophe from the time you sat in the seat and uh, from 2015 to 2019, in our humble opinion, uh, you did a magnificent job. Well, welcome to a weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We're welcome to have you. Okay, as we work out the uh, technical difficulties, we'll await uh, our engineer to bring her into the queue. You know, I don't know if uh, you've read, brothers and sisters, but there was something that came across the screen over the week that there was some kind of settlement or lawsuit that was happening, and uh, maybe Dr. Karen Weaver could give us uh, the update of the landscape. Um, She's having difficulty. She's texting me now saying she's having difficulty uh, getting in. I don't know why. Let's see. Okay, yes. She said she was listening. Sister Yvette, are you able to bring her in? You know, you can always tell when uh, you're doing something good and something right and righteous. 
because devilishment will soon follow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But we meet and overcome all obstacles in our path, so we're not even worried about that. That's right. <laughs> Adaptability that's right. is what we've been born to do. That's right. We wouldn't have it any way. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Weaver, for tuning in. And Lord willing, we'll correct whatever technical difficulties or challenges that are before us. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you giving us an update of the landscape of what's going on there in Flint. You know, one of the things that we talk about is that in our constant and consistent mission is know that when you talk about disaster, it impacts people on all levels, whether it's education, economics, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war even. And so we know our dear sister, Dr. Cameron Weaver, and our dear brother, Brother Captain Dennis Muhammad, they have experience in knowing how to navigate through whatever challenges that come before them, whether it's dealing with strategic planning or project management. Dr. Weaver, have you joined us? Okay, we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. Captain Dennis, are you in the studio where you can transmit, sir? I don't know, Brother Rudolph. Can you either take over or text Sister Yvette? Yes, I'm texting her as we speak. Brother, if if you have any, um, now would be a good time for any updates, any FEMA updates that you may have. We can get those out the way now. Until they come yes, into sir. the studio. For sure. For sure. And, you know, brothers and sisters, we're on line with the Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency where we get a weekly bulletin that, uh, of course, uh, yesterday the veterans were honored here in America. And FEMA thanks the veterans across all branches for their service. Without your sacrifice, tenacity, and dedication, we would not be, as they say, the land of the free. But, you know, many of us may take issue with that, but we thank God for the freedoms that we do have. Uh, The FEMA agency is proud to have veterans at FEMA facilities across the nation who have chosen to continue their service to the country by helping people before, during, and after disasters, and uh, we are pleased that our co-host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, is one of those veterans that were honored yesterday, all right? So we're grateful for that. Um, FEMA also, on another note, released what they called a community resilience guide, a 2021 long-term community resilience exercise resource guide. The guide is a one-stop shop for any jurisdiction or organization looking to conduct a climate-focused exercise. You know, we say proper prior planning prevents poor performance. So this guide offers the latest Homeland Security exercise and evaluation programs guiding principles 
new discussion prompts specific to climate change and social justice and noteworthy resources from across the interagency. Exercises provide an effective forum for the public to develop a common understanding of risk, assessment, existing capabilities, and identify preparedness gaps and other needs to be addressed through future planning. So that is the FEMA Community Resilience Guide. Um, is there someone? I heard something. I don't know if our technical challenge has been corrected. Okay, let us move. Still working uh, on it. Still working. Okay. Grateful, grateful for our engineers to work on uh, what they need to work on in order to get our guests on the line. We thank our listening audience for your patience. Beautiful. Okay. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. We're trying to work it out, Captain D. We're trying to work it out. We're trying to work it out, Dr. Weaver. So thank you. Thank you both for taking time out in your busy schedules to address our listening audience. Um, as what was said earlier, you know, uh, there is a situation in Flint still going on. Never forget, but there's a recent situation, Benton Harbor. And if you can remember, we also talked about the situation that was similar in Newark, New Jersey, and Baltimore. Of course, there, you know, we could do a contrast and comparative analysis and figure out what's different and what's the same in terms of their water crisis. But the fact that the matter is we're trying to get information to you that mainstream media won't necessarily speak about. So believe it or not, for those who don't know Benton Harbor uh, and where it is in Michigan, it's a black town. That is the latest example of the clean, safe water crisis raging across America. Lead pipes and other challenges are public health hazards. They happen to have a Muslim mayor by the name of Brother Mayor Marcus Muhammad, and he's working right. to save lives and to free his community from a long-standing problem. He stands on faith, service, and determination, and he doesn't plan to quit. So, again, you know, this seems to be, unfortunately, a growing situation, but as we oftentimes see here on Disaster Preparedness, just like at the movies when you watch a trailer, it says coming to a city near you soon. Well, right. we warn you with humility that a disaster is coming to a city that you're living in, working in near you very soon if you haven't already been impacted by it. Don't forget our brothers and sisters in New Orleans are still trying to get their balance back from the catastrophe that hit them a couple of months ago. Don't forget, even though we're at the quote-unquote, according to NOAA, the National Oceanic uh, Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, the hurricane season is 
from June 1st through to November. So we're still in November. We're still in November. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to our dear sister, Madam President of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters, Sister Carrie Edwards Clemens, who not only is the president of the IBPFF, but she's also a chief officer for the Flint Fire Department. And we thank you for all that you do, Madam President, Sister Carrie Edwards Clemens. We thank you and the members of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters, many who have been guests on this show in the past. Um, Brother Rudolph, I'll hand it over to you as we're still trying to work out the situation with our guests. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I'll just say this while we're waiting. Um, amongst the many disasters hitting us as a community, we are right in the middle of this um, vaccine debacle, okay? And we're still dealing with the three Bs, <laughs> the vaccine, the variant, and uh uh the virus. you know and the virus yes sir thank you yes um well the virus is what it is it's a virus and it's still alive and well the variant is what it is it's the virus that is taking on a different shape form and speed based on its ability to mutate, grow, and change. And then, of course, the what they're calling the vaccine, which is no vaccine at all, it's an operating system similar to that which you have on your computer or your iPhone or your Android phone, you know, the um, system that, pulls all the apps together and makes it run. That's the thing that they are, um, as they say, jabbing the people with, um, you know. And, you know, just think about this. Think about this. They are going so hard, as they say in the ter terminology now, they're doing too much. They're just doing too much. They just need to go get somewhere and sit down. They're making, trying to make it so hard for a citizen of the United States of America. Now, again, I'm a veteran for the rights of the people of this country to have freedom, justice, and equality. Think of, think of that madness. Think of those lies I just said. Which one of you on this line can attest to the fact that you've ever had a day in this country that you've had all three of those, freedom, justice, and equality? Well, we've had freedom, freedom to poverty, freedom to substandard housing, freedom to um uh, um, unequal wages in the workplace, freedom to 
the injustice as it is uh, um, uh, given out through the injustice system across this country. We've had, well, can I even say we've had justice with anything? No, I really can't. Um, And as far as equality is concerned, the only equality that I can attest to is the equality of any other oppressed person. That's the only equality I can attest to. But yet, I was in the military of this country and went overseas to other countries under the guise of fighting for democracy. But, you know, when you're ignorant, you do things that when you look back on it, if you're blessed long enough to um, gain maturity and understanding, you see your mistakes that you've made. And all you can do is pray to Almighty God Allah that he forgives you for the mistakes that you made in ignorance and gives you time to try and do good to correct the mistakes that you've done in ignorance. And this is what my life is about now. It's about trying to do good and balance the scales so that on the day of my judgment, I don't come up wanting because of all of the injustice that I did in my ignorance um, growing up. So, you know, um, they're mandating people to have the jab or the uh, 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 vaccine in order for them to work in certain industries, in order for them to attend any type of public gathering or forum, in order for them to travel, and they're trying to make it so hard for an unvaccinated person to even um, go throughout their daily tasks wherever they may be. That what they're really doing, what they're really doing is they're actually inciting a riot or inciting a civil war in the confines of the United States of America, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. That is what they're actually doing. And they're putting so much propaganda out and fueling this thing so vehemently that one side against the other, there's so much anger, hatred, and negative energy between the two sides that a um, physical clash could kick off at any moment. Well, I'll tell you this as one working in the system. The cases that we're seeing in the emergency rooms now, contrary to what you'll see on the news, it's not the unvaccinated that are flooding the emergency rooms now. 
and flooding the hospitals. So much so that in our daily triage of patients, when they come into the emergency room to be registered for their complaint, we've had to add certain questions to ask them. One of the questions being, are you vaccinated? And then, which vaccination did you get? Because it makes a difference. And then, how long ago were you vaccinated? Because that plays a part, too. And then, did you get the booster shot yet? So we have to ask all of these questions now to people coming in, and overwhelmingly the answers to those questions are, yes, I've been vaccinated. And it's usually uh, within the last within the last three to five months. These are the people who are coming in fully COVID positive now. Now, am I saying that you can't get the virus if you're vaccinated or you can't get the virus if you're unvaccinated? No, I'm not saying it either way um, because, to be honest, I don't know. All I can tell you is I'm seeing what I'm experiencing and what I'm working with. And that is that people who have, and people who have recently taken that cocktail of the flu shot with the vaccine, they're popping positive within within the space of maybe a week or so. And that I'm seeing, especially amongst our veteran population. And so it just leaves questions for the wise and prudent person to ask. It leaves questions in the mind of anybody to ask what the heck is going on. I thought that the vaccine was supposed to stop you from getting, you know, when they push the flu shot, they say, well, if you take the flu shot, yes, you'll come down with some symptoms, um, but it won't be nearly as bad as having the flu itself. Well, I don't know. I guess you would have to take a gallant poll of the majority of the people who have taken the flu shot or who've had the flu and ask them to see if that claim is correct. But I can tell you this, that of everyone that I'm working with and speaking to, they're definitely telling me, taking the jab, that they would be inoculated against COVID-19. They never thought in their wildest emotions that they would end up with a positive COVID stat. So, you know, again, I'm just throwing that out there for people to um, take it or let it alone. But that's the truth of the matter, and don't expect to see that on the 6 o'clock, the 10 o'clock, or the 11 o'clock news. Because remember, who owns the radio 
waves and the television stations in this country and remember the agenda that they are pushing and that explains why the slant on the news the way that it's being given and then for all of our celebrities who are out there um being cheerleaders and and drum majors for the vaccine the best that i can do to you i humbly submit to you brothers and sisters whom i love dearly sit down and shut up because you're being used against your people some willingly some unwillingly you have no idea of the wicked machinations of those who are behind the scenes here. But if you will listen to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he's exposing them and telling the truth. Listen to his warning called the Criterion on July 4th. He outlined and detailed what is going on and what was to come and look at where we are now. Don't let hatred for a people or a person cause you to be unjust in your actions toward them. But I'll stop with that, Brother Yusuf, and I'll leave that alone. And let me go to this uh, before I turn it back over to you. Doesn't matter to me whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Uh, when you get sick, here's what you can expect. People that are uh, on the outside looking in or thinking that you know what time it is, you don't know because those of us that are working with it every day don't know because it changes so rapidly. The fever that everybody is looking for and think is the telltale sign. Well, 100.4 or higher, yes, that's a fever. Does it necessarily mean that you have COVID-19? No. You could simply have the flu. Or you can have a number of other viruses or conditions that will cause a high spiking fever like that. Fully COVID positive and not have a fever at all. You could be as Remember the uh, spider monkey from the movie Outbreak? That could be you. You could be walking around causing other people to get sick because you're harboring the disease. You're the host. And as you go around, you're spreading it to those unsuspecting people that you come into contact with. You may be the one that's responsible for giving it to your grandparents or your parents or your very, very young children or those who are already immunocompromised. Just because you're not showing any signs of it does not mean you're not infected with it. Continue our social distancing. We must continue to wear our face coverings, even, even indoors 
when you're when you have the social distancing that they're recommending. We must go an added level to that and keep those face coverings on. And then, of course, the aggressive hand washing and hand sanitizing, we have to keep that up. We can't let our guards down now because the added punch with this now is we are in flu season. And flu season attack hits every year and millions of Americans come down with the flu. And the symptoms between the flu and COVID are so similar that short of diagnostic blood work, you don't know which it is. And so we have to continue to keep our surroundings clean, disinfected, and sanitized. We can't cannot, cannot let our guard down now. And this brings me to another point, um, Brother Yusuf, while we are still, well, let, let me take the time and ask, but Captain Dennis, are you on yet? Sister Dr. Weaver, are you on yet? Let me also suggest that they press the number one on their phone pad. Maybe they're doing everything but that to come into the studio, because I don't know if that was mentioned to them. Press the number one on your phone. I have an idea. Brother Yusuf, why don't you call Sister Dr. Karen Weaver, and I'll call Captain Dennis, and we'll three-way both of them in and see if that can do it. Okay, well, I know she was talking about having a previous engagement. I'll attempt and uh, see what her scheduling is like. And if we can't yes, get sir. her uh, today, then Lord willing, we'll get her when she's available. And yes, we want to thank our and listening I'm gonna, audience I'm, for... I'm going to call Cap- Captain Dennis right now on the three-way. Okay, and uh, our guests for their patience. Yes. You're listening Family to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. I'm your co-host, Brother Yusuf Muhammad, along with Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. It's 4.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we're trying to get our guests on, realizing how important their time is and the expertise that they have. We, we certainly want them to share whatever it is they, they have to share with us. Brother Yusuf? Black hole. Oh, man. Sister Dr. Weaver? Yes. Okay. Brother Rudolph, can you hear her? Yes, sir. I hear you. And I have Brother Captain Dennis. Yes, ma'am. We hear you. Well, let's All get right. right to it, Dr. Weaver. It's All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here on Disaster Awareness sure. for Community Preparedness. And as you know, 
You've heard thus far, we talk about everything from viruses to vaccines, from Mm -hmm. fire safety education to health and fitness, from community risk reduction, knowing that whenever there's a disaster, it has to be a uh, partnership, if you will, community investment, involvement, and partnership in order to mitigate whatever it is we're confronted with as a community. And for our listening audience, once again, we have on the line Dr. Karen Weaver, the former mayor of Flint, Michigan, who is a warrior. Many of us are quite familiar. It's an international uh, calamity and crisis in Flint, and it was because of this sister's hard work and those around her that we were made aware of it, and once it got the international media attention. We saw her work as a warrior, but we also saw her with the compassion of a medical doctor to make sure the residents of Flint, Michigan, had uh, whatever resources they could get based on the circumstances. So I'm going to get out your way, family, and let Dr. Weaver maybe give us an update of the landscape. Dr. Weaver, if you might think about the uh, best practices or lessons learned as you were going through it as a mayor and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the update of the landscape of what's going on now since you have not been the mayor since when, 2019? Correct. That is correct. And, and, And you know what, thank you. I heard that introduction you gave me, and I greatly appreciate it very, very much. And and I was listening while we were having technical difficulties. I was listening, and one of the things I heard you, you all talking about was uh, you like to report on some things you may not get from mainstream media. And I said, wow, they're absolutely right, because we've been trying to get this story out, and it's finally starting to get out there. Uh, but the way it's getting reported a lot in mainstream media initially for sure is that, oh, there's this landmark settlement, uh, this historical settlement that the people of Flint, Michigan are getting. They're saying, you know, $626 million for the people of Flint. Well, that's not actually true. That's not actually true, and, 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 and that's what we have been fussing and fighting about. You know, we said what happened in the city of Flint was based on systemic racism. We know that. Mm-hmm. It was based on race that's and it right. was based on class. And, and we always said that this would not have happened in another community of a different persuasion or a different socioeconomic status. And so, you know, I, when, when, when people talk about the water and they talk about the infrastructure, I said those are symptoms. The root cause was systemic racism. And that's what this this uh, uh, settlement has been built on when you look at the amount of the payment. Because think about it. Uh, at that time, Flint was 100,000 100, people. They're saying we're getting $626 million, but the attorneys are getting $203 million off the top, plus expenses. Wow. Plus expenses. So where does it wow. make sense? Where does it add up exactly that the attorneys get more than the victims? Where, where does that happen? And um, I said, wow, this is something. So we're left with $400 million, and, and, and we're supposed to split that between, you know, about 80,000 people. You know, you, you do the math. It doesn't add up. And I give comparisons uh, when, you talk, when you hear about other settlements. So we'll talk about one in Michigan that was the, gym, the gymnast at Michigan State University and the sexual abuse. I'm not, I'm not uh, begrudging the amount that they got. Maybe they should have gotten more. But you tell me, how do 330-some 
individuals get a settlement for $500 million. You know, less than 340 individuals, but they got $500 million. <laughs> but the black people of Flint get $400 million. You know, and, and, and I'm talking about eight, about 80,000 people. You look at the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, settlement that happened out in, in uh, USC. It was 700 and something individuals in the sexual abuse one. They get over 800 million. But the black people and the poor people in Flint, <laughs> you do the math. We can even look at uh, when, when Aaron Brockovich, uh, in, in, I cannot, Hinkley, California, I believe was the name of the city. It was less right. than 4,000 mm-hmm. people, but they got 333 million. But people in Flint, you know, and we're supposed to be satisfied. I said, this was a piggy bank settlement. I, I said, this is a slap in the face uh, to the people of the city of Flint. And it lets us know what they think of our lives and the value of our lives. I said, so it's, so it's sad, and, but they're touting it as it's this historical landmark. And, um, you know, they asked me, they said, well, what would you like to have seen? I said, well, when I was talking with Governor Snyder, what I put on the table was we needed to start at $1.5 billion and, 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 and plus some other things that have not been taken care of. You know, I hear you talking about the pandemic. I said, so we, we were poisoned by water. Our immune system's compromised, and here comes another public health crisis. So how do we fare in that? I said, and those are the things that they're not talking about. And uh, so, so our pipes have not completely been changed. Now, why is that? We have not had uh, many of our – we've had a couple elected officials speaking up and speaking out about this. But, you know, you, you have elected officials, and you say, oh, they're Democrats, they're your friends. But none of them have spoken up for us. None of them have said, this settlement isn't right, this settlement isn't fair, it's not just. And, and for the judge to say, this is adequate, fair, and just, I'm like, no, uh, if you put inadequate, unfair, unjust in front, then, you know, <laughs> now you're talking. And so that's what's well, going on in Flint. And, and, and in addition, people here, you know, we, we, not only do we want financial accountability, because we know money doesn't make you whole, but you can give us what's fair and just and adequate. But we're also looking for uh, uh, criminal accountability because what happened in Flint was a crime. And so people hear, oh, Snyder has been charged criminally. Do you know what the criminal charges were or are? It's a misdemeanor, neglect of duty. It's a misdemeanor and a $1,000 fine. I said, wow, where, where does that get to happen, that you can kill people because that's what happened. People died, and they underreport the number of people that died because at that time they weren't, uh, you know, saying it was due to the water. Uh, and you get a misdemeanor. I said that's what that's that's the value of us a misdemeanor and a thousand dollar fine. And so that's what we're still fighting for. So so many people think that oh, Flint has gotten through this, and and things are better. Well, we're still in the midst of it, and, and so many of us are not happy about the place that we're at right now. And one of the things we've always said is you keep saying prevent another Flint. Flint was supposed to be the blueprint for what not to do in other places, and now we've got another black city right down the road from Flint with bad water, with bad water. Not, not. You know, we have 
you, you know, and, and it's not just limited to Benton Harbor. They're just not talking about the black communities where this is happening in the state of, of Michigan. And that's something right. that we're going to call to their attention. Uh, so, so that's what's going on in Flint, and people need to know that. And that was why I always said you, you better pay attention to Flint, and it needs to stay in the forefront because we know that Flint represents so many other communities across the state and this country. So that, that's where we are. But if you have a question for me or something you want to make sure I talk about, let, just, just ask me. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, we're listening to Dr. Karen Weaver, the former mayor of Flint, Michigan. And um, she's been uh, gracious enough to uh, take time out of her busy schedule that we might ask her any questions, get an update of the landscape. I'm going to mm -hmm. fall back and let Brother Rudolph ask you whatever question that he has. Okay. And we'll take it from there. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, you basically spoke about it at the end because my question was going to be, well, if there was a settlement, then that means there was wrongdoing. If there was wrongdoing, mm -hmm. then that means that there were criminal acts. So who is exactly. being responsible for the criminal acts? Like well, OJ. OJ was found innocent in criminal court, but he was found guilty in civil court. And they raped him in civil court because they couldn't get him in criminal court. Well, we have the reverse right here. So you're giving mm -hmm. money away saying that this is a settlement because wrongdoing was done, but yet there's no individual being held accountable for the wrongdoing. How does that happen? How does that happen? And that's what we're asking. And it's really interesting because they are trying to hold other individuals that worked for the governor accountable. They want to charge them with manslaughter and neglect of duty and all of these other things. Uh, but they all reported that, that, that Governor Snyder knew, <laughs> that he knew. And uh, it's like, so how does he not get held accountable for this? It makes no sense. Um, well, at least to us, it makes no sense. Uh, somebody asked me, you know, why do you think he's been able to get away with it? I said, power, money, privilege, whiteness. That's the only thing I can come up with. I said, yes, because <laughs> if I had done it, uh, they'd have me under the jail. I mean, I said, this is, this is absolutely a crime, and there's been no criminal accountability. And then people say, well, ha haven't most of the pipes been changed? Isn't your water testing better? The answer is yes. No. But, but here's the thing. All of the pipes haven't been changed, and, and when the water, uh, you know, was, was uh, poisoned and damaging the pipes, it damaged people's in-home plumbing fixtures and appliances. So I can have brand new pipes in the front of my house. The water can test great, but when it comes through corrosive appliances and, 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 and plumbing and, and your fixtures, you still don't have access to clean water. And that's what, you know, we're, we're saying, wait a minute. You haven't, you know, you keep saying, let's prevent another Flint. Well, put a comma behind it and, and, and say, and fix Flint. Make Flint as whole as you possibly can. This is what right. we deserve right. because this, is, this was done to us. And, 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 and what's going on in Benton Harbor should not be happening. What's going on, there's another black city. Uh, I think it's Hamtramck. 
uh, it shouldn't be happening. Yes, I've been hearing about yes, uh, lead levels in Saginaw, Michigan. You know, these are all black cities that were taken over by emergency manager. And when you look at the cities that were taken over by emergency manager, it's interesting that something is tied to the water in all of them because they want to take over the water system. And, and um, you know, they act like water isn't a basic human right. The right criminal that you in, in and of itself. That's criminal exactly. in and of itself. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So, so, that, so, so that's the, and, and, and it goes back to what you said. Uh, this is what we would love for the mainstream media to have because they paint a whole different picture. Oh, the, you know, the state has come in and given this wonderful landmark settlement and, and the people of Flint will be made whole and there's all this money. Well, no, it's not. I said, and uh, I said, where does it happen that, like I said, the attorneys get more than the than the victims? Even the people that have lost a loved one as a result of the water uh, through Legionnaires. Uh, the most the, the if you're 49 and younger, you will get 1.5 million. Well, you know, most of the people that died from Legionnaires are older, <laughs> and 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 it goes down as you're older. You might get 300,000. Uh, and I'm and I'm not begrudged. I think they should have gotten more than 1.5 million for those that are younger. They said, well, the kids get most of the money. The kids, uh, uh, yeah, when something was documented. But remember, you all said nothing was wrong with the water. So many things uh, that occurred as a result of the water weren't documented as That's a right. result of the water. That's you know, right. you look at the, but not only the loss of life from the legionnaires, but we had women uh, and families that, that had uh, miscarriages and stillbirths. What about them? But nobody said a uh, 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 test, test for lead poisoning because we were told the water was fine. We had people that right. died from pneumonia as a result of legionnaires, but they are documented as water deaths. We've had people with that, you know, uh, with compromised immune systems, adults that have lost their, you know, limbs as a result of this water. But those are the things they're not talking about. Our special education rate went up 50-something percent. You look at, at the criminal justice rate because it's another way to funnel us into the criminal justice system because of the water. You know, all of those kinds of things. The mental health needs have gone up. And again, oh. <laughs> our immune systems have been compromised. And so how do you, so why is this amount, how is that a justified amount for what we have dealt with and what we are going to continue to deal with? So when you take this money, so if they say in, in, in three more years, wow, 10 years later, we've noticed that people in Flint, there's cancer uh, in certain areas as a result of the water. Well, guess what? Too bad. You, <laughs> the settlement's over. You get nothing. So, Dr. Weaver, let me ask you yeah. this. I, I, I'm with you 100%. You know, when uh-huh. you project, and it's almost as if, you know, you know that they know this is going to be the obvious circumstance in the future if the money is taken the way it's taken. What Correct. are you suggesting or what do you suggest based on uh, what lessons you continue to learn as this crisis unfolds? Uh, uh, and, and what should be the best practices going forward? One of the things is uh, that they need to change the water, the, the standards uh, for water quality. You know, federally it's 15 parts per billion. 
anything, 15 parts per billion or less is, is acceptable. That should not be. 15 parts per billion of lead in your water, that's unacceptable. We were able to get it down to 12 for the state of Michigan, but that's unacceptable. So water quality standards need to change. They do need to invest in the infrastructure, but when you see these cities having these kinds of issues and challenges, uh, fix the infrastructure in the home too. So we will have trust, so we know we're getting access to clean water. Like I said, I, if I'm scared to turn my, my faucet on because they've been damaged, I know I'm not getting clean water. That's the problem. When you're changing the pipes, one of the things that didn't happen in Flint was they shut the water distribution centers down. They were supposed to stay open until every uh, lead pipe was changed. Uh, right. That did not happen. That's something that should be taken into consideration. When you look at insurance, one of the things that we wanted uh, and we have not gotten yet, and, and, and I say these things because I want Benton Harbor and Hamtramck and Saginaw to listen, uh, one of the things is we want insurance that if you leave the state of Michigan, you should have insurance that follows you. You should not be restricted to live here. What if you're a child and your family moves? You lose the insurance, but you've been poisoned by the water? That should not be the case. We've talked about right. putting uh, grocery stores in, in, in our neighborhoods because you need access to fresh produce. Uh, you know, it's not like we can grow gardens year-round, and you shouldn't have to because this was done to us. And we know that there, there are certain foods that help mitigate the impact of lead. Make sure there are grocery stores in the neighborhoods that people can get to because transportation is a barrier for so many of them. Uh, one of the things, you know, and, and, and those are things they don't think of. Uh, the, the physical fitness component that kids need to have. Uh, well, a lot of times in neighborhoods, they don't have a playground or a park where they feel safe to go or that has, you know, playground equipment for kids. Get that out there. Get that out there. And they need to look at what are the services that adults and seniors need because usually lead is a pediatric issue. And, and that was one of our challenges is what do you do when adults have been poisoned by lead? What is the, you know, what's the protocol for that? You don't know because it doesn't happen that often. And so those are the things that they need to be talking about and asking about uh, because, uh, and, and they're things that they don't even think about. I mean, let me tell you something, you, and I do have to give a shout-out to Carrie Edwards because that was, that was uh, my, my, my deputy fire chief. I, I love right. her. Yeah. I respect her. I admire her. We do, and, too. And um, Flint is better for her. Uh, let me just say that. But one of the things people didn't think about was our fire trucks were damaged as a result right. of the, the, the lead water. People didn't think about that. You know, if your in-home plumbing is, is damaged, those fire trucks were damaged. You know, you, you, you need new ones. You know, they, they don't think about the other, the ancillary things that are so important to protecting a city. It's like, what do you mean the fire trucks are messed up? Oh, corrosive water going through, same you know. Water. That's right. Same water. And, and, and so people don't think about those kinds of things and the money uh, that you need to fix the damage that's been done. And so I remember when I was saying I was uh, 
uh, I, I, I signed the papers for us to be able to sue the state. And they said, you're suing because they shut down the water pipes? I said, this is a, about more than bottled water. I said, it was about uh, reputational damage to this city. I mean, we lost the tax base. How do you have public safety when you lose your tax base? People's property right. damage went down as a result of this. You couldn't even sell your house. That's right. You couldn't even sell your house. Uh, and, and if you did, you had to prove that you had done all of this stuff as far as water testing, new pipes. I mean, it was just. This has been a slap in the face to this community, and that's why, you know, I tell people uh, when, when we were talking about George Floyd, someone said, well, what does that have to do with Flint? What do they have in common? I said, because they will shoot us, they will put their knees on our necks, and they will poison our water by any means necessary. They don't care. They don't care. And, and, and this has damaged and destroyed a, 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 a young generation. We have kids that will never meet their full potential as a result of this. These families right. need to be taken care of. Those kids need to be taken care of. We have kids that have lost caregivers uh, as a result of this water. You know, their, their parents, their grandparents have been damaged, uh, some psychologically because of the guilt they feel for, you know, I, w I was giving my child th th this, this uh, formula and I mixed it with water. I was giving them, I was fixing Kool-Aid or whatever you were fixing with this water. I thought boiling it was going to make it better and it made it worse. And so we have uh, parents with that kind of mental and emotional trauma uh, and, and feeling guilty about, you know, <laughs> I had a hand in this. Well, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, but those are the things that, that have been forgotten that they don't take into consideration when these kinds of things happen. And well, that's why know. I always, I mean, it's just, it's, it's systemic racism at its best. Let me just say no, it like that. No, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Weaver. Tell the <laughs> truth, as the old folks say, shame the yeah, devil. I mean, that's right. you know, I, we haven't forgotten here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness and a couple of things you reminded me of. I remember when you were on mainstream media while the spotlight was on Flint and all mm -hmm. of those things you're saying now, you were saying then. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's just, a, you know, the town hall meetings that you would have and, mm -hmm. you know, being interviewed on, on various programming. And, you know, when you said they don't really care about us, you know, Brother Rudolph and I, oftentimes play some kind of music as a soundtrack for our lives. Uh -huh. You remember right. That's Michael right. Jackson. Has yes, all I want to say is that, yes, I, I, yes, because I think about right. that so often. That's right. Yes. Right. So that's and they show it. Right, they show time. it. Yeah, it is, time. it is. Yeah. And I do have to leave, but I have so enjoyed being here and being able to talk about this because people need to know and people need to know what to ask for. Well, that's one of the things I was even talking with them in Denton Harbor about. Don't let them cut costs because what they want, because that's what they want to do as far as the way they do these pipes. Uh, they always want to put profit over the, the health and well-being of the people, especially when the people look like you and me. Yes, ma'am. Is that well, your closing statement? That's my back? closing yeah. statement. Yes, it is. Yes. You need to get you back when you have time. <laughs> So, yeah, no, but I do. I, I, I'm glad we were able to get this worked out and I was able to come on and have this so conversation. I thank you for keeping Flint in the spotlight, uh, keeping uh, black people in the spotlight and what they are doing 
uh, in cities like Flint, Benton Harbor, and other uh, predominantly black cities around the state of not just Michigan, but really all around the country. You know, we've got to be educated and informed about this and know that, you know, you, you need to speak up and speak out about it. Well, we are eternally grateful here, Dr. Weaver, at Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, that once again you. you would take time out of your busy schedule and grace us with that information that you shared with us, and you do it with compassion. And may God continue to bless you and your family as you move forward in whatever professional endeavor, whatever you desire, sister. You know, we thank, thank you. you for being the gracious warrior that you've been, that you are, and That's that I know right. you'll continue yes, to be. I appreciate yes, it. You all give me energy and courage and strength to continue in the fight, so I appreciate it. And ha- have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And I hope we talk again soon. Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. We, look we will. To it. God willing. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Be safe. Yes, ma'am. All um, right. Well, you, you... We've heard yeah. a mouthful. You know, from Dr. Karen Weaver, former mayor of Flint, Michigan. We just thank God for her that she would give us what she gave us. And as, you know, they say in France, a luta continua, the struggle continues. We're at uh, 5.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Brother Rudolph, were we able to get Brother Captain Dennis Muhammad on the line? Oh, yes, sir. We have him. He's on the line, and he's and this is a great segue because he was also instrumental in um, water crisis because Brother Captain Dennis and the peacekeepers were out there with Russell Simmons on numerous occasions distributing water to the people in Flint, Michigan. And so, you know, let's get Brother Captain Dennis on, and he can talk about that and the other things that are on his mind to talk about. But before he comes on, I I just want to say this, because as she was speaking and talking about all of this, it reminded me of a line from a movie, um, um, the Vernon Johns story, where Pastor uh, Dr. Vernon Johns stood up in his pulpit and said to the people, he said, it's safe to kill Negroes, and this proves it. It's safe to kill us because they'll never be held accountable for the death of a person of color because they don't even consider us as being human beings and having a right to life. So, well, Captain Dennis. Yes, sir. The mic is yours, sir. Oh, brother. Thank you so much. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. I bear witness, there's no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is truly his messenger. I greet you, the radio listening audience, and my brothers and and comrades in this struggle, and the greeting with the people. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, sir. Wa alaikum salam, sir. Brother, uh, listening to our former mayor. Uh, Dr. Weaver, it's a shame that, you know, politics plays such a role in why we as a people cannot seem to get it together. I have been blessed to be in Michigan for the last two to three months, and 
because of the great potential that I see with our brothers and sisters in Flint, Michigan, and the great desire that they have for change. It has the greatest possibility to be an example for many, many major cities. And I'm not saying that just because it's something I want to say. Anytime that I have been blessed over the many, many years around the country and around the world to travel with the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, I have been blessed to sit in some of the most high pollutant political conversations, uh, summits, conferences, where the Honorable Minister Farrakhan was invited to be at these summits and conferences, National Black, State of America, all of them, you can name them. And as I've been blessed over my 45 years being with the minister, I've learned something about politics. I've learned that politics is the ability to influence. You're not a great politician unless you have the ability to influence or vote for politicians because they believe if I vote for this individual, they would have the power to influence somebody, some policy to make about a change. If you don't have the power to influence, then your power is short-lived and they will vote you out and vote somebody in. That's the ugliness of politics because it has done more to divide the black community than unite the black community. It's like religion. Religion has done more to divide the black community than to unite the black community. So when I listen to those who are in the political seat or political power once upon a time, I listen. I understand that it's always when we're not in the position or the seat that we can see clearer. But there's the old saying, and we're talking about the water crisis, you don't miss your water until your well runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not what somebody gives you. It's not what somebody do to you. It's what you take. There's a saying, it's not what somebody calls you. It's what you answer to. Mm-hmm. African proverb. I've been in Flint. I've been in Flint. Beautiful, beautiful people in Flint. That's right. Yes, but sir. I also listen to Natalie. The division that's on this city council, the madness of the division and the character assassination that they would go after each other with at a time that the people were unity, they look at the leadership so damn divided. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I listen to one of the city council that goes all the way into the wee hours of the morning. And then they sound like the Jay Springer show. <laughs> it's a damn shame, man. Because mm-hmm. those of us who really 
under the honorable minister Parker, who's been fighting like hell. Mm-hmm. This is like our people. The only kind out that the ones who say they mean well for the people are the ones who keep them so damn divided. That's got to come to an end. Our people may not be sophisticated enough in the political arena to know what a vote means. Malcolm said, bullet or the ballot. What did Malcolm mean? Bullet or the ballot. What Malcolm was saying is, both of them will bring about a change. You can bring about a change through revolution, or you can bring about a change through voting your way out of your condition. One of the two is going to bring about a change. But damn it, we have tried the ballot. Huh? We got more black males than we ever had in our history. Look at our condition. Look at our condition. We got more black. Right. We got more black judges. Any time in our history. So they told us, brother, uh, uh, Yusuf, they told us, brother, well, if we vote, we'll change our people. That's the problem. Y'all don't vote. Why y'all been voting? We got a, we got a damn girl, a, a vice president, female vice president. I ain't heard nothing from her. That's right. The thing is, if we vote, we got a black president. Look at our dead condition. Mm-hmm. You keep telling black people to vote for what? If we don't vote what? Can't get no damn worse. The hopes of the people is keep being dashed. The minister said it. Symbol without substance. Huh? That's right. Politics without economics is symbol without substance. That's right. There you go. Now look at him. I didn't mean to come on like that. And I'm 67 years old, man. I've been in the work for 50 years in the mix of Islam, and I've pissed across this country, been with the minister after three times. And I'm at a stage in my life, I'm not trying to suck up to nobody. I'm like the honorable minister Parker. It come a time, family. It come a time. We don't have black leadership. We have crisis managers. I'm going to say that again. We don't have black leaders. We've got crisis managers. The only time they come out is when there's a crisis in the black community. They're sitting on millions of dollars in Flint, Michigan. Millions. Millions. They were giving... I forgot how many millions of dollars under the CARES Act that was given to them to deal with COVID-19. The president gave many cities millions of dollars. And then the president comes back and says, Biden comes back and says, well, that CARES Act money that we gave y'all, we're giving you the okay to use it to get more police officers and to be able to support community organizations that can help to deal with this increase of science and crime. That's what the president said. Which gave them the okay to use the money. Uh, 
And when there's a problem, so let me ask you, something, something to use the money that wasn't earmarked for what the money was used for? Yeah, they told That's him correct. Yeah. That's correct. He gave the okay. He said, use the money to hire more police because gun violence is on the rise. Mm-hmm. So they sit with the money. They didn't do nothing with the CARES Act money to deal with COVID-19. They didn't know what to do with it. Got you. It's sitting mm-hmm. there in every city. So now you've got these organizations, these grassroots organizations, that can use the money to help fight gun violence. But you can't get the money approved to city council if everybody's arguing and fighting each other. So who mm-hmm. suffers? Who suffers? People, people. Mm-hmm. And now look at what we got. Not in this but every major city in the country. Don't be Elijah Muhammad. Did we ever ask the question about why did Master Farah Muhammad use, why did he come to the state of Michigan? Did you ever thought about that? Out of all mm-hmm. the Master Farah Muhammad could have came. Why did he come to the state of Michigan? And we just thought that Michigan, Lake Michigan, has some of the richest water with some of the most cleanest water on the planet. That's what we were thought. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we were talking with the cleanest water on the planet. But yet we left around here find it to be the most contaminated when it comes to Sudan. And then you wonder why black people are suspect about taking this damn shot. They got the right to be suspect. Devilish. They have never done nothing for us that had a good intent. So why all of a sudden now you 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 interested in my health? That you want me to get uh, a shot so I can live? And all the damn thing of your history has been to kill me. Why all of a sudden you want to see me live now? That does not pass. the smell test. Go ahead, brother. And if, we, and if we paranoid, maybe we got the right to be paranoid. So now you go and do what the Jews did during Auschwitz. They would have Jewish people playing in the Dagoth Square as they were getting off the train. And when the people got off the train and they heard the Jewish people playing, they thought the place was okay. But the damn players were they to shut it down and to trick their minds. That thing was going into the ovens, man. Two stepping right into the ovens. So you get out, you get out celebrities, you get out entertainment. I'm taking the shot, knowing that's to sleep again. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get on to talk about this, but I want to be very honest. Oh, brother, we. We honor that the spirit's moving you and such, sir. I see. We have went into Clinton, Michigan, and I opened up my, look at this. I opened up my 33rd chapter, 33rd chapter in Clinton, Michigan, and my 34th chapter of the Peacekeepers is in Saginaw. That's right. The, the success of the Peacekeepers in Clinton is growing faster than any chapter I ever opened. Mm. You know why? Because the people see hope. Mm. We're not selling them no dreams. 
We're not playing the old Ball of the Future song, Vote for Me and I'll Set You Free. Rap on, brother. Rap on. <laughs> Eve of Destruction, Tax Deduction. Go ahead, brother. In the game. With the aspirations and the hope of our people in a time like this, but get your ass killed. Right. We've seen third world leaders. One minute they're on the balcony praising the people, and the next minute they're assassinated. We've seen that. That's right. One minute we look at Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the next minute, crucify him. Crucify him. Well, Brother Captain, we're at 529. As we go into the last half hour, beloved, what can you tell us that uh, the peacekeepers are doing? I know, you know, you have uh, about five modules or training modules that you take the peacekeepers through. Is is it still the same in these cities in Michigan or... Yes. Are you adapting yes. or adjusting to whatever they're going through? Go right ahead, sir. Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, and to the rest of the Peacekeeper chapters, the three in, the one in London, England, Tobago, and Trinidad. We are saying to the citizens of those cities, we're not bringing no foreigners in. We go right in and we get the citizens of that city to get past the politics, Get past the religious differences, get past the social differences, and let's unite under the common thread of peace. We found peace is the common denominator. Peace talk religion now. Peace talk politics now. Peace talk even racism now. So we decided, why don't we stay with that? That does not produce controversy. Stay with peace. Because everybody wants peace. Rich white folks want peace, black folks want peace, poor people want peace, rich people want peace. Uh, everybody wants peace. So here we do peacekeepers. So we go into the community, which we did this way. We came up under a different understanding because the mayor, of course, being a politician, gave the illusion that he was going to support the work that we do, but that was only to push his own political agenda. Mm. Use the good name of the peacekeepers. So we learned fast that that was not his intent to really help us. His intent was to use us to push his political agenda because we have a, a stainless reputation. But anyway, we bypassed that, so we had lined up getting 40 of the members of the community to become peacekeepers without the financial help of the mayor or anybody. Nobody in Flint, Michigan, gave us a penny. It all came out of my pocket because I believe in me. I believe in the people. I don't need nobody to fund me. Mm-hmm. I know when the people are going to change, man, they will change. And so we got 40 people. Brother Rudolph was giving us the, one of our components, which is CCR and first aid training. Well, let me give you the six components. This is the six components we give every peacekeeper around the country. And after they get the training, we give them a picture ID card and they are now an official peace. Look at the training again. Number one, proper handling of peace. Number two, mm-hmm. conflict resolution. Number three, nonviolent crisis intervention. Number four, love by self training. Number five, 
self-defense. And number six, CPR and first aid. These are the six gifts the citizens of Flint, Michigan, and Saginaw to become peacekeepers. They damn them more. Uh, uh, they damn them more qualified than law enforcement. But there are some law enforcement that CPR and first aid training. They may have, may have training, but not CPR training. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we're giving them everything they need to go into their own community, change the quality of life in their own community, and not depend on nobody to do it for them, but just do it for themselves. We're tired of everybody telling us what our problem is, but nobody come up with no solution. This is the solution. So we go right into, we went into the Regency Town Hall, Townhouse Project in, in Flint, Michigan. In the move, in, in the documentary Flint Town, they talk about the Regency. The Regency is one of the worst projects you want to go in and Flint. Everybody carried guns. Our first day to patrol, we went into the Regency Housing Project. I first pulled up with two, two dudes, they, just look, they look like lookout men. We call it. We call them the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. There's one way in and one way out. Mm-hmm. And when I got, I got to talking to them brothers. They got to tell them, man. The next thing you know, they had a peacekeeper shirt on. They were taking pictures. Everybody in the community, they received the peacekeepers. They had 35 peacekeepers, and then the people really, really embraced us. And it was not the worst project that I ever been. It was the best. Mm. Like if you let me tell the story, if you let somebody like get your head on some time, Negroes, who's afraid of our people tell the story, mm-hmm. they're going to paint us in the worst light until you go your damn self. And that's not new for the mm-hmm. fruit of this all. We the fruit of this all. We go in the worst neighborhood. We came the worst neighborhood. We transformed the worst neighborhood. We got a history of doing that. That's right. So we did that. And so now... We have fled, so now guess what? From the 17th and 18th, a lot of them don't know this. But under Chief Green, I would be giving my training to 100 of the Flint, Michigan Police Department officers. Y'all know I train law enforcement. That's right. That's right. And now we have. I was giving that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Why are we training the Flint? We're going to start on the 17th and 18th. A hundred of his men. Chief Green has a love for the community. But Chief Green also knows in order for him to fight crime and violence, he has to have a relationship with the community. Law enforcement alone can't do it without the community. But there's a serious distrust that the community has in law enforcement. That's real. They don't trust black cops or white cops. That's right. But Chief Green knows that. So what we're doing is he's using this as a pilot program for his officers, and we call it bridging the gap. Because not only are we training his officers to learn how to be better servants and servers to the community, because they use the word protect and serve. So when you hear the word serve, you hear the word service. So they serve the community. So we're teaching how to be better servants to the community. And guess what? Now we're training the peacekeepers in the community how to be better customers to the server. 
We teach the community how to respect the police. We teach the community you need the police. We teach in the community they have a responsibility to be law-abiding citizens. That's what we teach the community. The police can't do that. So we teach the community to respect the police. We teach the police respect. And in this is the ultimate goal, brother, is to bring them into the same room one day. That they may see each other value and work together to rid the community of crime and violence. That's what we're doing. It's called bridging the gap. They've been trying to do that ever since uh, Dr. Weaver was the mayor, when she had Chief James I mean, uh, uh, and uh, the other two chiefs she had on there. The whole philosophy bridge the gap, bridge the gap. But they weren't able to do it. Because most of the time you train the police, but you don't do a damn thing to train the community. Well, the police can't train the community, and the police can't train some of the leaders in the community. But how is it that we're able to train them? Because one thing about our people, they respect the nation of Islam. And Captain Dennis mm-hmm. is a member of the nation of Islam. They respect Minister Fark and they trust Minister Fark. And if they look up Captain Dennis in a video, they see what I mean standing next to Minister Fark. That's right. So they said, we, we, we respect that guy. He's a character. We got a history. So they listen to us. And as they listen to us, all praise is due to Allah. We That's to right. Train our people, not people, man. They love it, and so we're very happy, brother, that we're in Flint, Michigan. We also will be training the police in Detroit. Uh, Detroit, brother Rudolph, we're coming to Detroit. Uh, uh, yes, sir. Bannis, Bannis, he had, was on the conversation with him a couple of days ago. He said, "Come on, Captain, train my guys." We did the Detroit Police Department in 2008. He wanted me to come back and do it again. Yes, sir. So we're well, we want the listening audience to know, Brother Cat, before you go any further, that you also are responsible for training Brother Rudolph and myself, and we are eternally grateful <laughs> That's to be your brother and to be students of your training, and we can bear witness that whether it's the five boroughs of New York with the peacekeepers or Mount Vernon in Westchester or with me, Atlantic City, Philadelphia, you know, not to mention the disaster preparedness component you attach to what you're doing uh, with the Peacekeeper uh, local chapters, as Brother Norman from Charlotte and those local chapters in North Carolina went down to, uh, I believe it was Trenton, North Carolina. Uh, disaster had blown through that area. So we yes, want sir. our listening audience to know that Brother Captain Dennis is just not talking to be talking. We can bear witness of his works, and we thank Allah for the work that he's done, that he's doing, and that he will continue to do by Allah's grace and mercy. Now, Brother Cap, a few things come through my mind, and that is, um, number one, we can't talk about the FOI being in Flint and not talk about our dear brother, Brother Roy Muhammad, who lost his life. A few months ago, may Allah be pleased with him, who I know you had a relationship with. Number two is that, um, and I was going to get to it, but you segue so beautifully into the police reform that you're doing. But you know you've allowed Brother Rudolph and I to work with you in the past on not just police reform, but community reform. So I don't want you to get away, Brother Cap, without speaking on that as well. I'll fall back in the last, but certainly not least, Brother Cap, 
we wouldn't be worth our salt if we didn't ask you how you're doing health-wise, sir. Because oftentimes the warriors get forgotten, especially the ones that's been so strong for so long, as if we're not vulnerable as well. So we pray that you're getting better and stronger, beloved. So I'm going to fall back, but those were the thoughts that I had, Brother Cat. Thank you. Thank you, dear brother. Well, there's no question that, you know, Brother Roy and uh, his untimely demise launched Flint, Michigan, in my mind and many others, back on the map. Even though the water crisis brought it national or international attention, it was the killing of our brother that brought Flint, Michigan attention to the nation. We were able to go there, and out of that, we had a chance to meet a lot of people, and we just lost our secretary, Brother Cameron. That's what, yes, couple, sir. Yeah, ago. He's a peacekeeper. He was on the prayer line that morning, and I told him, and he told me he had COVID, that don't waste no time to go to urgent care until you couldn't breathe. And, and later on that day, my Brother Rudolph was given as a trainer, Brother broke in and told us that Cameron had died. Yes, sir. We are losing a lot of soldiers. And I cannot find and try to even fathom the thought of why. But I do know, as we all say, as much as Allah is the best Lord. We have a responsibility to life and not a responsibility to death. Death is inedible. We don't have to worry about death. As soon as we're born, we're born to die. Mm-hmm. What we need to focus our mind on is life itself. And to be able to say to these brothers and sisters in Flint and Saginaw, I love this city so much that I am moving to Saginaw. I don't believe y'all heard me. I'm uprooting my family <laughs> from Columbus. Not that I'm going to a warm climate like
own Michigan area. They ready, man. I mean, they are absolutely ready. And so we recognize that we don't have to go and get ready. I keep ready with me, man. I'm looking at ready right now. I don't have to go get it. I keep the witness. So don't nobody have to say they go get ready. I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. All right? Nobody wants to tell me, go get him. I got to go get ready. I keep ready with me. That's right. That's our people, man. And so we are very happy, brother, brother, and and, 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 and and we're going to bring Brother Rudolph in to do the physical part of the training. But unfortunately, as it may be, there has been a serious outbreak of COVID. We have about five soldiers in six bays in, in, in between Flint and um, Saginaw. And, and we really practice in uh, 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 um, social distancing. We really, uh, we're taking it really uh, uh, serious. So I, I'm, I'm not going back in no time soon other than I'm getting ready to go in next week to train the department. But there is a serious outbreak, and we have to try to let this thing blow over. Now, it may be happening to everyone, but we've had too many brothers in Flint, Michigan, and Saginaw uh, get the virus. They're not, no, uh, Brother Cameron was the only one that had just died of it. The other brothers had some, they right now uh, are going through some real respiratory problems. Our captain, Brother Sue, Captain Mike, him and his wife got it. Brother Cameron, who just departed, his wife and his two children got it. We had just our Brother Jalal, who was a sister minister, student minister, his two twins got it. And then we got Brother Andre, another soldier. He got it. Then we had another brother named Kenny. He had just got over there. We got a sister minister to the sister to the minister. He got it even. He just gave it to his mother. So it's a serious outbreak. And uh, and we got two soldiers that went down that came from Columbus. They were Columbus. They got it. One of them is on a um, is on a breathing machine. It's uh, an oxygen. So it's serious. Now, I don't know why uh, uh, why it's a serious outbreak. But we really try to stay in. Uh, they're not going to do the opening of the mosque on the 14th. They have delayed the opening of the mosque in Flint, Michigan, until about the 21st or 23rd, I think. So they have even delayed the opening of the mosque because of this outbreak. So we are looking forward to uh, this. I thank y'all so much, man, because uh, I heard, uh, I, I think, I, to be honest, I think Dr. Weave is a very brilliant woman. And it's sad that, that, She's not in the political position. I don't know if she has the power to run again, but I don't know if she's speaking high ambition by the governor. I don't know. But I, I think she has the passion uh, of, of, of our people in her heart, and she gave us information that was very valuable. She broke down those stats, and we need someone to break down the stats. We also have brothers in, in the city uh, for fighting to have they not have to pay no water bill. They fight right now. They should not have to pay no more water bill. You know, so there's a lot of a political madness. And I pray to Allah that they put aside their personal differences, man, and come together for the good of the whole. I pray that they would do that because if they don't, then all of them out of luck with God. All of them will be replaced. That's the truth. And there would be a more military type of leadership that would rise up to replace them. Our people are tired of it, man. They tired. They want unity. They want unity. And we have to put aside. 
So I tried, dear brothers, and I want to say this to you, Brother Rudolph. I heard you speak earlier, and of course, as you was opening up, I didn't know it was a long opening. It was a long opening before you gave the greeting. <laughs> Man, brother, 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 you that was a coupon he gave anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been up for the captain's yeah. too long. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't say nothing to me. I'd like you to know, dear brother, you don't have to declare your declaration of the honorable minister for time with words because you got people who are on your call who are not Muslim. And the worst thing that we want to do, and I do this with the peacekeepers, is to make people think that we're trying to make them Muslim at the expense of not respecting what they believe. You hear me? So yes, what we have to do because this, this platform is a non-religious platform, even though y'all religious and spiritual men. We don't have to talk that. We don't have to talk that. Y'all, 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 y'all example is that. But be very conscious as we talk to our people that we don't have to try to push our declaration of who the minister is to them. So the minister made it like this, dear brothers. We don't have to give them a dirty glass. Just in a clean glass beside us. Our people know <laughs> that y'all are the two of the most brilliant men that's on these airways, Brother Yusuf and Brother Rudolph. We don't even have to ask, are you? We know you are. And we don't have to know that the scripture says a fruit, is, a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. So somebody want to know, well, who's that? Who's that leader, man? I like that useless guy. Well, who's that leader, that dude? I like, they go to the minister. They're going to get to him. They're going to get to him. So try, this is me saying, dear brother, as your brother, you know, we have to be very conscious in a time that people have used religion to take advantage of people, that they don't think that's our intent, and that's not our intent. So what we need to do is, as we were given instructions, don't push that of who the minister is if we're not able to defend it from the scripture. And we don't have enough time to go into the scripture. That's a whole other subject. And if you want to use that subject to make it that subject, but always be conscious that you got people on here that love us. But then they may not understand when we go strong about our declaration and our love of the minister. I'm conscious of that, dear, but I'm really, really conscious. I ain't denying the minister. I'm going to deny the minister what I am. But I, everything I can come up with come from him. I cannot do that. That man taught me everything. How to walk out of town. He taught me everything. That's why when they say they hear you, brother, when they hear you, you know what they say? You sound like Farrakhan, brother, but it's the use you sound like Farrakhan, Brother Rudolph. Brother Dennis, you sound like Farrakhan. You see what I'm saying? We ain't got yes, to sir. tell them who we are. Yes, keep sir. doing the work. And if we keep doing the work, they're going to know who your man is. And then people don't like to be forced. You know how that is. That's why we rejected this mandate. They would don't force me to take this damn stuff. I rebel against this mm-hmm. thing you forced me to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, sir. People rebel against mandates. And we have mm-hmm. to be very careful that we don't have our people rebel against us. I believe like we're forcing the minister down there. So now they think we're worshiping the minister. No, they're crazy. We worship no God but Allah. But we don't worship. And sometimes it doesn't look like worship. There's a real thin line there. Really, really a thin line. Yes, sir. Between love and worship. 
Can I just wanted to say Excellent that point, brother Captain. Excellent point. Thank you, brother Captain. Yes, sir. I, I, hope I, I hope I went out of order to say that, brother Rudolph and brother Houston. I just... No, sir, not to me. No, sir, beautiful. Thank you. Well, look, brothers and sisters, we're at 5.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we move toward our last seven minutes. We thank Almighty God for giving us this opportunity to serve as your co-host. We thank him for bringing to us our guests this evening, this afternoon, Sister Dr. Karen Weaver, former mayor of Flint, Michigan. Brother Captain Dennis Muhammad, founder of the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, Incorporated. Brother Cap, thank you, thank you, thank you, brother, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I don't know if Brother Rudolph has any uh, last questions for you or if you uh, would like to make a closing statement. Now would be the time, but also, beloved, Again, how are you doing, below? Oh, yeah, Mr. Brother, I'm doing good. I thank Almighty God a lot. I've been blessed by, by the bullet. Uh, I work very hard. I don't go out, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much when I come home. The most I'm out is when I'm on the road. But when I'm home, I stay in the house. I don't go nowhere. Um, but Allah has blessed me uh, to, to keep my health as a decent, have my ups and downs. You know, I have the type 2 diabetes. It probably wouldn't be flared up. My sucrose level wouldn't go high if I didn't eat them donuts, brother, you up in the middle of the night. Try to choose the shame the devil, brother. At least I'm being honest, gentlemen. You know, I can't. I can't eat a whole box of donuts and say, I'm sitting over to be in the morning. Confession is only for the Lord, sir. I think that a dip on everything else, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, 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 I can't worry about my blood pressure going out. And I go to there and go outside, but I just make coffee straight with no chasing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I straight caffeine, man, and I'll make my blood pressure to be down. Listening. He listening. Okay. Give my man Big Forrest the greetings 
for me. You know, I got bad love and a special kind of love for my man, Brother Forrest, man. Yes, sir. But keep doing the great work. Thank you for inviting me. I, I admire Dr. Weaver. I pray to Allah that she, she, she still has some political ambition. I hear her passion. I think she would be good for our people. I think sometimes, like me and Conrad, you know, when we took that bus, you know, sometimes when you get that bus, you really have a great appreciation for the position that you had, and you can see things a little bit different, and you come back with a little different attitude. I think all of us come back like that, and I think she's a better Dr. Weaver than when she was serving as mayor before. She's a more brilliant and more educated and a more compassionate, and I would love to see her get back into the political game whatever. I think it's that kind of leadership we need uh, to, to, to fight uh, the poverty, the systemic racism, and to fight the greatest disease that we call self-hatred. May Allah bless you, brothers. I love you. Thank you so much. Love you too, brother. As I greet you, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam, brother Cap. Love you as well. Original salute. Well, brothers and yes, sisters, sir. we're at 558. I'm going to get out the way, Brother Rudolph, and let you close us out. And if I could just use my poetic license, I'll just say, even with these few words shared by me and we, I guess it's still the way it used to be. The strength of a nation is its family, and real freedom is responsibility, the ability to respond legitimately by any means necessary. Thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. I love you. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir. Well, you know, I'm not going to try and quote it, but I'll just say this. You know, life for us ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it. Throwing up places on the floor bare, but all the while we've been a trying, boy, and going on to places where there ain't been no life. So don't you sit down on the steps because you find it's kind of hard. For we still going, and life for us ain't been no crystal stair. Well, just remember, family, fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, you got to keep moving. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir. Beautiful. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.